You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot... A freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Uh, this uh, week's episode is a really, really good one that I was looking forward to because it's with uh, Jared Van Hees. He's uh, owner of the Habitat Podcast and also one of the owners of Vitalized Seed. So that was a really good, uh, a good thing to interview him this time of year because we've been having you know Michigan get dumped on with a bunch of snow and then you know it's it's starting to melt now. But well, we had all that snow. I, you know, have a couple of trail cameras still going and on some of the food plots and the deer were just going crazy on the vitalized seed. I mean, I got pictures of, you know, multiple bucks in the same picture, multiple, you know, does all through the background of the um, food plot and they're digging them up and going after it, you know, and that's one of those things that I was really impressed with because, you know, I've had deer consistently going through that, those food plots, you know, from late September all the way to, you know, February. It's February now. Uh, today is February 1st. So, you know, I want, really want to touch base with him and, you know, talk to him a little bit about it, get his, uh, you know, get him out there and let people know that um, I, you know, feel like it's a really good product. And, you know, also he's just a very knowledgeable guy. I mean, he's been doing habitat plans. Um, he does on the, as like kind of a side thing he does. It's not a full-time 
he still has a full-time job. He does a lot of things, but uh, he's, you know, he, his best interest is for us, you know, the common hunter and the average Joe kind of a thing. Um, you know, that the way he develops some of his bland plans, you know, and how he talks and some of the stuff they talk about in their podcasts, it's, it's just, you know, go out there and do it. Um, you don't need to have, you know, the latest and greatest of everything to be super effective. So I've always liked that approach. And, you know, he's he's done it. He's, you know, I think he said he's been podcasting for six years. Um, you know, they've put a lot of research into the food plot seed that they're doing. They kind of have a one-two punch. Um, really looking forward to using um, their, so I use the um, the fall plot, which is their carbon load. And they also have like a nit- nitro boost that they recommend planting in the spring. So, yeah, I really look forward to giving that a, a really good opportunity. And, you know, I mean, I've used other food plot stuff. I've had, you know, success with other things. Um, you know, I've done, I, I did other plots this fall that, you know, deer were in um, and using them. So, I mean, it's not to say that this vitalized seed is, you know, the the best thing ever and game changer or anything like that. I just think it's a very well thought out, well executed uh, food plot seed, um, that works and it does everything that I need it to do. And I, you know, I'm one of those people that if I think it's a good thing and I want to look more into it and interview them and talk about it and, you know, there'll be more of those kind of episodes here in the future, hopefully through Michigan wild where, you know, I can get guys on that, you know, are in the industry, have things in the industry. And I, you know, seem to like what they have to offer. And I think it's worth looking into if it's someone that's looking for something different, trying it totally worth it. But, um, overall, I think, um, this week I do have a little bit of a shed update. I haven't went shed hunting yet. Um, I mean, I did look at one of my plots at the snow melted just to see, you know, how the deer pressure was handling it. And they were, you know, they've been hitting it hard every day through the snow and there's still a lot of food left for them, which I'm happy to see that. And selfishly, because hopefully some of those bucks will start shedding really close to that plot. So that'll be good. Uh, to see and then I also kind of took advantage of the one spot because the snow was kind of melon to look and see where deer were kind of coming to and from the food source because I had a couple cameras that just were kind of not very uh, productive this year I guess and you know lo and behold there was deer trails like literally going around um, one of my cameras and I think that happens more often than guys like to admit Um, you know that's either because you you personally didn't pick the best spot to have the camera or maybe the deer don't like yeah, their picture taken, so they kind of, you know, move around it. I mean, I'm talking wore down trails that were, you know, I'm going to say 10 yards or less around the camera on the sides um, of the camera. So obviously the camera can't take a side, you know, 180 picture, but they were really close to the camera. So I just, you know, I'm like, man, look at these deer trails. Maybe my camera's just not working. I walked right by the camera. You know, looked around, checked a couple bedding areas to see if they were still bedding really close to food because they, you know, do this time of year. Sure enough, they're still there. No antlers. I was kind of hoping to find an early shed. But, um, you know, and then when I came back through, you know, I pulled actually pulled the camera. And by the time I got home, I got the – it was a cell camera. I got the update. All sorts of pictures of me walking around. Uh, just the deer were just kind of sneaking by. So that goes to show, you know, sometimes the boots on the ground scouting in season, you can't 100% rely on your chill camera. So – like I said, shed, you know, update, I got a couple bucks that are, um, half racks, I think one or two, maybe only bucks that are completely shed. They're all little ones, but all my nice, bigger deer, older, you know, two and a half year old and older deer, they still are holding pretty good. So I think that'll change here in the next few weeks, but, uh, hopefully we can get on some sheds. Me and Henry, he's been, he's been kind of asking me, he's like, is it ready dad? Is it ready dad? I was like, ah, not yet, bud. So got that to look forward to. 
Um, but yeah, I think, and also, um, like I've talked about before, I'd like to try to do some more habitat stuff myself on some properties. It's always been kind of hard to do, you know, if it's not your property, you don't really have to say, um, knock on door permission. So it's a little easier to do like a food plot because you're not cutting trees and doing that kind of stuff. But there's some properties that I'm hoping that I, you know, in the process of maybe that can change and, uh, do a couple little small things and, you know, just say, Hey, you got some of this going on, um, you know, dead trees, et cetera you know, kind of help you clean up, you know, do you burn wood? Maybe I can get some, one of the thoughts I had was like, man, I can offer like, Hey, if I cut some of these dead trees and get some of the stuff cleaned out, just trying to get sunlight to the floor, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, cut the wood into pieces for you and you guys can have that firewood. You know, there's a lot of options out there for that. So this is the time of year when the gears get turning on that and, uh, you know, rabbit hunting is full swing too. So that's been going really well. Um, me and Tyler's episode launched last week and, that was a good time talking with him. Always a, something we've done for a long time and really enjoy uh, each other's company out in the woods. Uh, it's always lots of laughter and uh, just you always just feel a lot better when you're done with a, a day like that. So, no, it's been a good uh, for the current events. It's been really good um, this last week and look forward to next week. Still got the nice, looks like we got some nicer weather rolling in, uh, which, you know, selfishly kind of like want a little bit of snow to go rabbit hunting because it's easier to see them but you know like i said i think me and tyler talked about last year we didn't have very much snow and our dogs did you know did fantastic so we're definitely gonna keep going after them and then you know coyotes hopefully gonna get a little coyote hunting in here too i usually i'm not a very good coyote hunter so i only go out you know march kind of time once once rabbit's kind of done i'll maybe get lucky and catch a dog here or there but no overall um really enjoyed the episode with jared and uh, I appreciate him hopping on and doing that wealth of knowledge there. We talk about a couple of different things, you know, with what we feel the like deer herd is, you know, needs and uh, why there's some things that are going on that's going on. And then he, you know, one of his co- so a couple of things that he feels most properties are lacking. And yeah, enjoyed the the knowledge he passed on. And yeah, just to wrap this intro up, uh, like I've you know, like I've said in the past, you know, in the show notes, I have you know, right now the Michigan Wild has a, a shop, so I'm going to kind of plug that a little bit. If you want to go on there and check it out, and you can find that in the, the app, that website in the show notes. And then also just RLR Construction. Uh, give my dad another shout-out for anyone who, uh, you know, maybe this could this can extend to someone who's local that needs some work done or, you know, looking for that kind of thing. Feel free to reach out. And also any crew of guys that want to work on some stuff and do something different, maybe in the residential game. Uh, feel free to reach out and then anyone who's looking maybe for a different job or a career path or already in the field but just kind of want to maybe do something different feel free to reach out and like I said that's also in the show notes my email is on that but I think that's going to wrap it up guys actually have a little little weekend away with the wife we're going to uh, do a little skiing hopefully this weekend yes a lot of snow has melted we have no idea what we're getting ourselves into could be a mess might not even ski but we'll definitely have a good time so we both uh we both enjoy being able to do these kind of things and um, she works very hard as long as I do. So we kind of try to take, take advantage of these opportunities to, you know, do a little weekend away and, uh, kind of reset. Obviously <laughs> we both are bringing our computers cause we both have work to do while we're, while we're doing this, but it'll be a good time. So thanks guys for listening to Michigan wild. I appreciate all the support. Um, all the, all the good things that are coming through on the social media page too. Michigan uh, wild pod on Instagram. Um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of support there. Um, just feel blessed, you know, be able to have this opportunity and it's, uh, it's been a pleasure and, and I am just like itching to get like deer hunting's only been done for a month. You know, it's February 1st today and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like 
I want to, I kind of want to get back after it. So, and I know I have a long road ahead before that happens, but I'll, uh, I'll enjoy it while I can, you know, and do what I got to do, but it's hard not to, you know, scroll through Onyx and start, you know, pre-scouting in your head where you need to do or what kind of moves you make that you're like, oh man, I wish I would have hunted there, you know, this time of year and doing all that. So the gears are turning, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, I'm looking forward to a little, uh, more sunny weather and uh, a little longer daylight hours. I do, uh, I do like getting a lot done during the day and this whole being dark early, I'm, I am sick of that, so the cycle will start here soon and uh yeah enjoy the episode everyone and if you have any more questions for i want to do kind of kind of say this at the end here habitat wise or interested in what jared has to offer go on he's got a website you can go on there i mean he's got tons of episodes of his podcast that i've went through and cherry picked through and like something intrigues me and just listen to some of the things he's talked about on there with guests and people who also are you know trying to make their habitat better that he has them on I mean, it's good stuff. And if you're intrigued with, you know, Vitalized Seed, there's so much information on that. You can you can follow Vitalized Seed on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, all those kind of things. There's just a lot of info on there. So, yeah, if you want to learn any more, there's plenty of resources out there to learn. So enjoy this episode, guys. Have a good week. Appreciate it. All right, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. This evening I have someone that I'm kind of shocked he said yes to an extent because he seems like a pretty busy guy, but I have Jerry Van Hees from, uh, is that right, Van Hees? Do I have to pronunciate the Hees at the end? or? Uh, oh, yeah, you know, good old Dutchman if you're yeah, not Dutchman too much. So. Yeah, yep, the, <laughs> I love Van the Dutch. You got it. <laughs> you got it. So, yeah, well, thanks for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for being persistent and reaching out. You know, like, like you, I... Uh, I tend to burn the candle at after there's three or four ends, I'm going to find a way to burn it. So I uh, pr- appreciate your persistence and happy to be here, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, the habitat podcast is a pretty cool thing. Like I've, you know, listened to quite a few of your episodes and like you've been on other uh, podcasts in the past. And I mean, you, it's one of the things that for me, like I've been a diehard hunter, but like where I hunt, I've never really had the ability to do like a lot of habitat work. So like you're always that one that I was like, man, I'm like getting itch. Like, let's see what I can learn to try to build the inventory up. Well, then you guys came out with this vitalized seed thing. And I was like, okay, I'm super intrigued. Like that's something that I can do. You know, food plot game is a lot more guys can relate to playing food plots opposed to going in and chainsawing a bunch of trees down or whatever it may be. If because like for me, like some of my properties I don't own, I don't own any land actually. It's all either family property or knock on door permission. A little easier to throw in a little food plot than like ask them to cut a bunch of trees down so yes, that's kind of what got me i guess my foot in the door with some of your guys's product and man that vitalized seed stuff i had a great success with that this fall awesome yeah we, we've been hearing that so really appreciate you you know trying trying it out spending your harder money like i said earlier and uh, and giving us a shot um kind of the whole vitalized seed thing kind of started out the same way the podcast did so the habitat podcast we're uh shoot we're about six years old now um starting in 2018 so that kind of came from uh, uh something i was missing and like i never my family never owned land either 
Um, I was hunting public land in West Michigan from Grand Haven. We actually had my my buddy Eric McKay on not that long ago. I saw I graduated with Eric, been hunting with Eric for a while. Uh, great guy. Um, yeah. He's a killer, man. He's a killer. Yeah, fine uh, blueberries. That's what I learned about yeah. that episode. Like, man, he's yeah, well, yeah, there blueberries. You go. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I've never there done that, but that's cool. And it just kind of came to where, man, someday I want to be able to own my own piece of ground. Um, and the land management and the habitat management side of things where you can actually go out there and do things yourself to make your property better. Like you can put in blood, sweat, and tears. Like you go to the gym or whatever and, and get healthy. You can do that to your property, make it better for deer hunting. Um, once I learned that, like I was just bit, you know, food plotting, chainsaw work, everything else. And that kind of led into, you know, four years into the habitat podcast. Um, we lost my good friend, Nick Percy at killer food plots. And, uh, he was my food plot guy. I didn't even worry about it. Just go to Nick, you know? And then, um, once that kind of happened, there was a void there and we decided instead of going and getting a, another company to, to fill the void and try to help our listeners become better food plotters and whatnot, we just, oh, we have some mixes we've been working on ourselves and, and we launched those. Um, and that's been a huge hit. So I appreciate you trying it. Uh, guys have been sending us all kinds of pictures and, and, you know, grip and grins, everything else. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, it's almost, it's overwhelmingly grateful to get pictures of like people with your product and like smiling and happy. It's just, it's so cool, man. You get to live like you're living vicariously through all that. And a couple of things I want to touch on, like, so like you're talking about, you did the habitat, like own your first piece of ground. It wasn't like a hundred acres. I mean, it was a 15 acre piece of wood of property, right? It was only 15 acres. Correct. And, Correct. It's what we could afford at the time, you know? And you did a lot of things. And like, I never listened to some of those first, you know, I'm assuming it was a few years ago because you still had that property and you were talking about how you were setting up. And like, we're, I think a lot of us can relate if we've been in this like serious whitetail hunting for the past, let's just say 10 years, like the transition of how like guys have learned, like through listening to podcasts or YouTube videos, whatever, like access and security cover and like, Let's instead of just having a food plot, you need to like have a perimeter around your, like all these little things that guys have like all been kind of learning as we go. I'm sure there's some OGs out there who are like, man, I've been doing this way before you guys were born. But like a lot of us who were like in this age of technology, a lot of these things we didn't even know about until, you know, more recently. And I never hearing that. I was like, I loved it because like my properties I hunt, like I barely have 10 acres of cover. Like it's a lot of, it's really small. It's pocketed, you know, seven acres here, five acres here, you know, it might be a 40, but there's only 10 acres of like super mature oak trees. So like you're limited on cover. So hearing you go through that journey and how much you improve 15 acres. I mean, that's pretty inspiring for like the average Joe essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd appreciate that. And it's, it's relatable, right? So it's relatable. It can be inspiring. Like I am an average Joe. So it really, it really made it pretty cool when I could, you know, I convinced my wife, didn't really convince her. She was pissed. And when I told her I wanted to buy this 15 acres, she's like, why? What are you going to do with that? Like, it's money we could spend on a new vehicle or, or something else, right? Yeah. Um, but it was my passion, and I, I convinced her. Uh, and, you know, I put in, I just sold that property this year, in, or last year in 2023. So I owned that for five years. Um, and so, yeah, I put blood, sweat, and tears into that thing. I learned how to win lose everything in between out there when it came to hunting planting trees uh whatever food plots access blind locations uh, mock scrapes water holes whatever you want to go into i did it all out there so it was 
it was really cool and i'll never forget it it was like my little training ground right my yeah. proving ground if you will um only 15 acres so you have to be super careful the neighbors were hunting both sides once they figured out where all the deer were going and it's like you had to just really have it dialed uh and then you know once it was dialed i shot a bunch of nice deer out there and then yeah. it was like okay well i want more projects now like i i can't just sit here and hunt the turnkey i gotta keep moving oh so you're so saying that's you, why you're saying it. you reached your goal so you got bored and had to reset to like chase something else kind of it sounds it sounds kind of <laughs> crummy when you say it like that but kind of yes yeah, that's what my like, wife tells me all the time she's like you just finally got bored with that so now you gotta yeah. do something else and i'm like you know well, yeah, yep is. you're right <laughs> like, you know you like we talked about you're you've been self-employed of some sort your whole life and yep. i've been an entrepreneur uh, for a long time and um our, our brains just they don't stop really working you know i don't sit still i don't sit around so it's kind of like once i had that i had no more room to plant bigger food plots no more room to yep. plant more apple trees i did everything i'm like well i guess the next step would be a bigger piece of land so it's kind of where my goal was to keep building that legacy that, yeah. that nobody in my family ever had so yeah, i'm trying to be like your grandpa with a bunch of land somewhere up north that all my kids can grandkids can all yep. go hunt you know as i as i age into retirement so that's my yeah, plan absolutely and that's like i mean that's what's so cool about i think people maybe i mean you can relate and like we can relate because you have like a family endeavor kind of a thing and you are understanding that this is going to get passed on and generate like I've said before, it wasn't a matter if, it was a matter when I was going to kill a deer. Like I was just in that, like born into that family and um, very blessed, you know, to have that. But then it's like, as I've gotten older, you know, I'm in, I'm 33. So like, I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, we as hunters are takers. Like, that's kind of like how it goes, you know, for the most part. So like, how can I, I've always wanted to like last few years, I wanted to do something. And I always feel like my hands are kind of tied behind my back. I'm like, man, I really love this. Like I'm passionate about hunting, but like, I'm really not doing anything other than harvesting to help like the deer herd, you know, shooting does and mature deer and stuff like that. But then when I rolled into that, uh, vitalized seed and put that out and I did other food plots, we've done other food plots. So like, you know, there it's, it's not like I haven't done things in the past, but like, this is the first time where I was like, okay, the, the stars aligned for me this year, like with how the crap rotation was. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go a little harder on this than I ever have. And it's pretty cool that right now it's, you know, January 30th and i can my cell cameras are going off you know and i got 30 deer in one picture because they're all just hammering wow. these little food plots and like i've never i've never had that and like i'm not trying to say that because like i do anything special i'm just saying like i've done food plots or you know i do like a mixture of like rye broadcasting just trying to do whatever you can if the corn gets chopped or and it's like okay by the time this time of year rolls around that stuff's been bare dirt for for weeks and months you know so seeing deer out there doing that and then the kicker is you get like your target bucks for next year it's like man there's my inventory because we don't we can't put corn out we can't do anything like that so like having these like nice little food plots that you can like see what the deer are doing it's like keeping them safe they're hanging out it's like oh yep he made it he made it good game plan i love that like that chase is gonna is starting earlier but uh i didn't want to kind of touch base on nick percy with killer food plots he i went to a summit that lincoln ron had I can't remember the year. Me and my buddy were actually just talking about that this weekend. Mount Pleasant? Yes, the Mount Pleasant one. Yep, I yeah. was there. Yeah. And he got up there and he did a presentation. And I was just like, me and my dad both were like, who is this guy? Like, that was amazing. Like, he was just very passionate, um, you know, super knowledgeable with how he was doing kill plots and helping people. Like, he was kind of ahead of his time, I feel like, at least in Michigan, for a Michigan guy. And, yeah, like, 
seeing that you kind of, I've heard you kind of talk about it too before, like how you're kind of like taking his approach to some things and kind of carrying that on. That's what we all kind of live for. You know, we want to keep doing the right thing and be good people and help each other out. And he was definitely someone that enjoyed doing that. Yeah. I learned a ton from him. Um, he was a good friend of mine. I knew him for a long time. Uh, we've been at a, at a, at a trade show and uh, he helped me, you know, my, my, my logo colors on my habitat podcast are same colors as, as his killer food pots were like, he inspired me in so many ways. Um, came on the podcast a bunch, uh, taught me a ton of stuff. So it was really, it was really cool to, to be able to learn from a guy like that. He was definitely ahead of his time, in my mm. opinion. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the, in the food plot industry and, and this and that, but, um, Nick was very knowledgeable and, uh, yeah, sure do miss him. Yeah. So you want to like give us like a quick little like you can you don't have to necessarily do like the deep dive into vital IC because I think you've done that well on your podcast. Al, uh, who's on the the vital IC Instagram page, if you want to nerd out on food plot stuff, that guy's got it figured out. Like you can you can listen to that. So we don't need to have that kind of a lecture, <laughs> I guess. But if you want to just kind of like do like kind of your rundown, like just the highlights of maybe why you feel like in this kind of like a saturated market for like small food plot companies, like what you think kind of sets vitalize apart from them. And then we kind of move on to some other things. Yeah. I appreciate that, Nate. And, and Al, yeah, you want to learn anything in depth on, on soil health and anything with our food plot company, go to the vital seed Instagram. Um, why Al and I work so well together is because he's like the mad scientist and I'm like the guy who can relate it to everybody else. Right. So we have, so you're not going to hear an owl pitch from me because I can't even do it. So, you know, we have our, we have our lanes that we stay in and we work super well together. Um, he's kind of the, the scientist, like I said, I'm kind of the sales and marketing department, um, behind and packaging, obviously behind all that. So, uh, yeah. So Vitalize Seed, like I said, uh, we were going to work with another big name company at Habitat Podcast for, um, for food plot seeds and and a partnership there and and i just thought i just didn't have a good gut feel on it really didn't think we were gonna um get what we needed out of it in terms of i think it was more of a one-way street for the other company in, in my opinion so what we thought we would do is say hey you know let's let's try our mixes out al's been planting these two mixes far longer than i had even and um we thought, man, you know, everybody's been asking, what are we planning? What, what is that mix? What's that picture? Like, what are you guys doing? So we decided to come up with vitalized seed. Uh, vitalized means to, you know, put energy and strength back into something, revitalize something, to vitalize something. So we're doing that into our soils. Um, vitalized seed is very, very simple. We're not trying to have the big fancy buck on the front of the bag. No offense to the guys who do. Uh, we're not trying to, you know, put a bunch of seed coating on there. We're not trying to badmouth anybody else while we do this. We're literally trying to make very economical, diverse seed mixes that work better than what's out there. And we've, we've done that. Um, what's different about us is we mimic Mother Nature. We don't really mimic like a marketing employer like, or like a, a hunting industry. We, we mimic Mother Nature. We mimic agriculture, sound practices. Um, so, like, the carbon load is our fall mix that you planted that you're very impressed with. You know, that's got, like, 15 different seeds in that mix. But they're all in certain ratios. And the spring nitro boost, boost 
Nitro Boost, that mix has, you know, 13 more that are in that mix. And what we do is we call it our one-two system. Nitro Boost is heavy on producing nitrogen, putting nitrogen into the soil, mining nutrients. And then Carbon Load does the same for carbon. And all soils are carbon-nitrogen balanced. And the best ones are balanced the best way. So we design our mixes to, you plant the fall, that comes up in the spring and feeds the soil until you plant the spring plot. And that spring plot feeds the soil again until you're back to fall. And they literally continue to feed on each other, fall, spring, fall, spring, fall, spring. You can um, start to get rid of fertilizer over time. You can start to get rid of glyphosate, herbicides over time. We both know that fertilizer and herbicide cost a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And um, again, deer understand diversity, mother nature, diversity. So when you have all these different seed mixes working off each other, you know, we have some plants that are five foot tall, some plants that are six inches. We fill everything in between all that versus just, a you know, maybe a soybean that's 24 inches and below the leaves, there's a bunch of empty space, right? So we, we really have the biggest bang for your buck and we simplify it. You buy one bag in the spring, one in the fall and you're done. And I, I love that because common farming practice, I mean, unless you have like access to like cows or crazy amount of fertilizer, what do they always do? They rotate. Like yep. you got corn, I think one, corn and beans, they'll swap around. And then after a few years, I have to put it into hay to help with the nitrogen and all that stuff. So like, like you guys always say, we're not like recreating anything here. We're just doing yep. stuff that has been proven and we're just going to make it as best as we can. And then like, it's crazy because like you everything you say you know you you follow the instructions and you, you it's not like i can just throw this stuff on anything and it's going to grow amazing like you still have to do your due diligence and you know be be smart but you do have things in there that grow very easy so like we had a drought this year so like that was just like brutal across like michigan and a lot of other states but like I heard you guys talk about how like these varieties, some will grow better than others. And like, you know, you kind of have that, like it helps the normal guy out. Like you're not all in on just clover, all in on turnips or like, that's why I was like, dude, I'm down because like, I need, I need whatever I can, as much help as I can get kind of a thing. And yeah, it's, it's, you're dead on. I mean, them deer were eating this. I mean, I did a one acre, two one acre food plots on the same property, but they're like 400 yards apart or 300 yards apart. Let's say good deer numbers. They've literally been eating in that since September, and it's now it's end of February. Like I've had consistent pictures of does and bucks in it for that length of time. Like that's unheard of for like anything I've done before. And you know, like that doesn't you, you a lot of guys will use like the hot takes, like oh you're gonna make your your bucks gonna daylight because of this food plot seed, or you know you're gonna guaranteed to you know get your bucks to come in here after rut kind of a thing. Like you guys never said that, which I love because you understand that like there's so much more that goes into it. But what you have said is that we've created a food plot seed that is giving can handle browse pressure to an extent. It's going to give you a wide variety and it's good for the soil. And you have like stuff that can back that up. And like, you got me hooked. Like, that's all I need to hear. I don't need to hear any other stuff. Like we've been right. as the hunters and, you know, in the world for the past 20 years, we've been so much marketing so much TV commercials and infomercials and use this throw and grow, you know, like you had all this stuff and it's like, once you start getting educated on it, it's like, man, we're kind of suckers when it comes down to it. Like, you know, like <laughs> we just like, you just fall for it, you know, like the big buck in the bag. Now, nothing that's not to say every food plot company who has a big buck in the bag is like a bad food plot seed, but like it's very easy, like, ooh, shiny object, let's spend some money. And uh, 
yeah, your guys' stuff is very simple and it just is what it is. Everything's right there. And you got lots of, it's like, you're not hiding anything. Like, I mean, like you said, if you want to nerd out, listen to Al, that dude goes through and says like all the stuff and just breaks it down. And it's like, I'm kind of jealous, you know, that he knows so much about it, but also that's not my gift. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Al, we're, we're, uh, we're partners and he is very passionate about the soil health side of things about how the plants work together um and and everything <laughs> we don't make any claims we can't back up and not just us back it up we work with agronomists we work with people mm. you know at soil testing labs we work with you know bronson strickland at msu deer lab we don't just test it ourselves and say oh here we go no we we fully back everything up yeah. before we even put it in the market um and that way there's never anything to to worry about our question yeah you know um everything is just simple because again al may be the the soil scientist type but the majority of guys out there are not the majority of guys out there are like me who just want to be okay i just buy that and then i just put some <laughs> of that and okay got it done Rinse let me and move repeat. on to my tree stand now yeah let me yep. move on to my mock scrape now let me move on to something else so um we just found out nobody was really catering to keep it simple and, mm -hmm. and really um make it economical for the, the everyday guy everybody you know everybody's trying to uh, like look at this like what do fishing lures attract more so than fish right fishermen like you go on mm -hmm. the, the bass pro shop there's a thousand lures all different colors and shiny and gadgets and this and that well shoot a red and white spoon always works pretty good for pike no matter what so um you could use that metaphor a bunch of different ways yeah it's really uh just keeping it simple and we have some more products we're bringing to market we launched a couple of new uh items this year so far one of them being an, an all-natural fish fertilizer uh fish and humix so again we're going all natural nothing synthetic nothing that will hurt your food plots just stuff that literally organic mother nature type items would be out there so we're gonna keep going down that ethos that that mission and um we're glad and and, and very proud of everybody that's that's followed along and, and jumping on board with us that's awesome that's, yeah and like i said i'll anyone wants to reach out to me and talk to me and see pictures and that kind of stuff yeah there's there's proofs in the pudding when it comes to that but so did let's you put any ex exclusion fences up around your plot i did not so like i kind of felt that like too but do that this year that's why I, I think I'll try that because um, I did I did three separate plots. They're all one acre, and there was one like two of them I knew were going to be in high deer areas, and then one was in like a much lower deer density area. Like max I've ever seen is like ten deer, maybe, which to some is a lot, but for like where yeah. I'm at, it's not a ton. <laughs> There's a lot of like better areas. Like this was kind of like a low ranking, I guess, cover, but it was like good deer went through there. Like I've shot bucks there and shot does and actually shot my early season doe on that plot and nice. um you know comparing them across the three plots i mean there's definitely like you can see where the deer like to hit the plot first but sure. then work through it but then that plot that's had less deer in it that thing grew like crazy well and i was like okay what's going on why are the deer well there's so much corn up and it was like once the like once the corn came down it was like a light switch like okay here comes all the does and then they came <laughs> through and it was like really hitting it but it was staying well but yeah i see those exclusion fences and i'm like how many times have i've done a food plot in the past that i think doesn't work 
It's just because the deer yeah. eat it right down to nothing. So I, that's definitely something I want to do next year. Um, and then I think it would help me like know if I do like the broadcasting well too, because sometimes you don't know how good you just like, Hey, I'm going broadcasting this. And if I had like a little fence, I could like see really what did do good and the deer, you know, keep from getting. So I do like that. But I do want to kind of roll into like, cause you, habitat for your podcast. Like that's a big part of your lifestyle. What kind of stuff can you like, kind of like point maybe guys, like, what are you like, your guys been doing this for a long time. So like, what are you doing like right now? Like season's done, you know, we're, we had a bunch of snow, what snow certain amount, like how is your gears turning? Like, what are you trying to do right now to help like your properties out? Yeah. So my properties in, in, uh, for instance, are both being, cut or under contract to cut with a logging operation. So we do a lot of consulting too. Um, and that's really my busy season right now. So unfortunately, some of my properties take the, the back seat right now and, and I'm okay with that. But what I, what guys need to be doing right now is getting that chainsaw out, sharpening up that blade, chaps helmet and opening up that canopy um, in your cover areas, in your bedding areas, if you know where those are. Um, really getting diversity going in that area and and sunlight to the forest floor sunlight to the forest floor cannot be overstated i've said it a billion times uh, i don't care if you're in the woods in a field wherever it needs to be if you're shaded and you have just junk coming up you know non-native and or invasives or just shade tolerant species um there usually could be something better growing there so, for instance, on our northern 70 acres, um, that's getting cut really hard. They're taking a lot of the mature maple off that right now. Um, a lot of big aspen are coming off that. So that's all going to shoot up over the next three to five years, create extremely good native deer habitat, food and cover both. Um, and then my, my four, I bought 40 acres this year after I sold the 15 down here closer to home. And um, that I'm working with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service currently to come up with maybe a project out there um, using government money that's already available to all of us to do things like that. And I'm also, I have the loggers out there. We're marking trees. We're measuring trees. We're getting a bid. I should be signing a contract on that next week. Um, so the way I look at it is what should I have done five years ago? Right. And that's usually some TSI, timber stand improvement, chainsaw work, locking. Because the regrowth takes a little while to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, another one is to get your your fruit and mass trees, get those on order. Um, a lot of times we start ordering those in the fall even, and a lot of nurseries can start to run out this time of year uh, into spring, and then they all start shipping, you know, March, April to get yep. them in the ground before summer gets here. So getting that in order, don't, you know, don't order too many trees because i've done that and it's a lot of it's a lot of work to try to get them all on the ground properly mm -hmm. directly fence them off um that whole thing as well yeah, so those are two said, things you had said something maybe it was on the i might have been a podcast listened to earlier this week um instead of buying a lot of trees maybe try to you said something about affording the biggest tree you can to because you have a higher success rate like you want to touch on like why that is or like because you've had experience in this so yeah, you're saying call. you're saying like if you can pre-order or order a tree that's you know got a higher chance of survival that's better than having 10 little trees kind of a thing or like what does that kind of stand i guess that's that's where i came that's where i'm at now and i didn't start that way 
because you know like i said i'm i'm a dutchman so i start out a little cheaper right so i'm buying 10 funny because 10, me 20. my dad and grandpa actually went through this conversation in christmas we were looking everything up we're like oh man if we buy this many of them we'll get that much more for our money and we we're that was the True. debate we were having so i can completely relate to this <laughs> and there's and there's merit there it's it's it does work when i when i started doing this i'd buy as many as i could and then i'd get them all in almost die trying and then hope and pray that they'd survive um now that i've been doing this for quite a few years i totally flopped on that and i'm going to spend as much money as i can getting the oldest tree possible even if that means i'm only buying a quarter or a fifth of of the trees so instead of buying 20 apple trees and and they're all one year old and hmm. Everywhere else, I'm going to buy five three-year-old trees. And then I'm going to really spend my time and money fencing those off correctly. Um, just upping my chances at survival. First of all, they're going to produce mass sooner. They're going to drop apples sooner. Um, better chance of survival, number two. And, uh, you know, I can't say it's less work. It's probably the same amount of work if you look at it. But I just uh, both both ways of going about it are okay i've done both they both work but depending on your deer density you know if you plant a bunch of little trees you plant 500 you know 12 inch pine trees because they're 10 yeah. cents a piece um gets a cold winter day out and one deer walks around and nips off yep 10 of those bud caps in a row there goes 10 trees <laughs> that's one deer one meal so i don't know i've i've i switched gears on that a little bit just to you know, the, the older you get, it's kind of like buy once, cry once, and yeah. figure that out. So well, that's kind of where I'm at now. I heard you say that, and I thought about that from the fruit trees. And I'm like, okay, of all the wild apple trees I've hunted by or thorn apples that are producing apples, like it doesn't take – it's like one or two trees. You know, that's like the hot scrape tree right then and there. I don't need a 100 of them in one spot. Like if you have a couple really good producing ones, and you can back it up to like – that totally made you said that and i was like oh my gosh like yes like okay thank you that's what we needed to focus on because we're behind like you're always behind in this game kind 100%. of like that's how you feel so i really like that and then another thing like you know because you dealt with this of the 15 acres like you had small bedding pockets and like all this stuff so i always hear guys say you know hey chop a tree down or you know get the sunlight to the floor like like do you leave the tree there or like do you have to like focus on getting that tree out like not everyone maybe has access to the equipment. Are you strategically like dropping trees in a way that you can like cut them up into pieces and manually move them? Like what's your kind of approach when you're doing that on like a small property, maybe with like limited access to tools and equipment? Great question. Um, the answer would be to make as much cover as we can. So on the 15 acres, I went in there like two weeks into owning the property and I cut down a ton of cover with a forestry mulcher made my food plot super big and expansive and was really proud of that right so <laughs> yeah. then i spent the next like four years trying to grow up all the cover around the food plot so i didn't have such large wide open spaces um so yeah i've done everything wrong so when i tell you about it it's not just i'm making this up um now i like <laughs> to laughing because everyone loves that like dude, <laughs> oh, it was, it was this awesome food plot. i just made this yeah. like it looks great like big change quick and yeah that's funny oh no i gotta get it back <laughs> and that and that might work you know that might work for some people depending on what their goals are you know if you want to see a bunch of deer um you know sit on the biggest widest openest 
soybean fields you can and you probably see more deer than where i try to hunt um you know I, I try to target a little bit older class deer uh so i'm trying to to get that to where they feel comfortable coming out in daylight where we can harvest them um on a small pressured property surrounded by neighbors that are hunting the edges and and everything else so it's kind of the the most challenging thing in michigan i always and i've been asking a lot of people this question on my podcast you know food cover water what's king and i think i've had more people say cover and i would and that's my that's my answer uh because you can make cover this food as well but yeah so to round about get back to the your question yeah. i try to find areas that i'm going to designate to bedding or sanctuary on my 15 um or any small property i'm working with um and that we're going to cut and there's a, there's a couple of different ways you can do that if you have loggers come in if you have enough trees to where they want to come in and spend time a lot of times they'll blow you off if you're not worth it um dealt with that too then i will do a lot of hinge cutting um if they blow you off so if they blow you off and it's only you i will hinge cut and what a hinge cut is is you cut about halfway to two-thirds of the way through a tree and tip it over while it's still connected in the bark of the cambium layer that tree will stay alive for a few years um, but what that's doing is that's adding instant cover like you're taking a tree you know that's straight up in the air 30 foot and laying it on its side that just became useful to deer anything above five foot is not useful to a deer yep. for the most part you know acorns apples i get that but a tree is better off laying on its side sometimes than it is standing up in the air blocking the canopy or blocking the sunlight so when you can make a half acre pocket of hinge cut trees and tip them all down on each other in different different ways and there's there's a method to this don't just go out there and and do it do some research first but that's what i do with a chainsaw and i use a habitat hook you can use other mm -hmm. tools or a rope minimal equipment i've done it all with minimal equipment you can do it on small properties with just that now if you burn firewood and this and that and you want to haul out those trunks that's fine too i would leave the tops so the crown of the tree yep. i would leave that intact uh, don't cut that down so it falls down and it gets real lower the ground leave it so it's standing up mm -hmm. 10 15 feet high um and that'll that'll you know fall apart over the years and and, and rot but but you're saying leave that, that as your cover they'll go they'll bed yeah. in that or up against that i've seen 100 percent. Yeah, i've seen that quite a bit like you know either from a windstorm knocking something down um you know old tree you know maybe old like uh there's one property i hunted the last year i hunted it it got logged and they left the tops everywhere it was just it was nasty and i didn't know i never hunted anything like that before and i was kind of bummed and then i soon realized that it created a, the entire property became a bedding area opposed to just a travel area so and i was really sad when i couldn't hunt that anymore because i like finally realized that but yeah you'd just be sitting in your tree stand you know i did that was a property i did a lot of hanging hunting on that's where i actually kind of learned to hang and hunt and i remember the one time i snuck up in this little double tree and I got up and I was like, man, one of those things are like, I was so loud. You know, you're kind of kicking yourself in the butt because it's like, man, I screwed this up and hang my bow up. And I, I'm like just scanning, looking around. And all of a sudden, no joke, I watched like four or five does just like whoop, stand up out of their, out of this treetop, essentially. And I was like, holy cow, like that's nuts that they do that. And then, yeah, every time I hunt there the rest of the year, same kind of a thing. You'd just be looking, all of a sudden deer just poop, poop, poop popping up because they're just bedding those. So, 
that's pretty cool. That's a great, that's a great response to that. Cause like for me, I've never done that yet. I haven't really had the opportunity to do that, but you know, you watch all these videos and it can get overwhelming for guys. Like, you know, like you said, like I, the, the properties that I'm thinking off the top of my head, like, I don't know trees. Like I know trees, but I don't know them that well. I yeah. can't see a logger wanting to come in there and cutting those down for me. You know, like that's just not their, not something they're going to want to do for their time. Cause like I look at it from a business owner because that's what I am as I'm a business owner. It's like, this guy is going to come in here. I'm going to either pay him to do it because I don't leave enough trees. So like, what can I do myself? And yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good way to do it. And, it's, and it's, if you watch some guys do it, it's not hard. Like it doesn't take a brain scientist to figure it out. I mean, yeah, you're going to probably screw up a couple of trees, but do it small, start out small and do that. And from my experience, I mean, I shoot these deer in very small bedding areas. Like they're not expansive. It's like quarter acre, maybe a half acre. And like, fortunately it's, it's the best one. I can kind of be like in between like three of those spots, you know, kind of set myself in like the mm -hmm. center of them, catch the bucks moving through them. But you don't need to have this giant 50 acre sanctuary. Like you can, it doesn't have to be huge. So I'm sure you've probably dealt with a lot of that doing your consulting and traveling the state. But I've always blows my mind that I see deer come out of what I see him come out of. It's like, I cannot believe he was in there, but I'm happy when he does come out. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. And I've done I've had that same story where I shimmy up a tree and oh uh, yeah, I was pretty quiet, I think. And but who knows? And then all of a sudden the doe will stand up like 45 yards away, like, okay, I did it, right? Yep. Um uh, and I'll tell you a quick story. I shot a, a real nice nine point uh two years ago on the 15 acres, and that deer um died in a bed in a treetop that I had left from my logging. Awesome. Uh, you know, and, and I, that back part of the property that they logged was only eight acres, the front seven, they didn't touch. So they logged an eight acre little area. And that deer was in that little tiny thing up, a, yeah. up in a uh, oak top, had a big matted down area. You Sweet. can tell you've been there before just hanging out. That's so so yeah, you got, you got a couple of this stuff with the right pressure and the right wind and everything else. There's more to it. Um, but if anybody wants to get started on that stuff, you know, Reach out, uh, you know, reach out to a forester, take a walk with a forester, state paid forester, consulting forester. You know, you can either get a walk with them for free or very minimal cost, and you will learn a lot just in one walk. So I urge people to do that, maybe to get started too. Cool. That's, yeah, that's a great point to do. There's a lot of resources out there you can use, you know, guys that want to help you um, and that. So you walk some properties. Like I do a lot of scouting, like, you know, knocking door permission, rabbit hunting, and all that. But like, I don't, I don't get to go on always pristine stuff. It's kind of like, well, I can, I got like a very small sample size compared, compared to what you probably have seen, but like, what do you kind of feel like is lacking? I guess, like if you were like, say, Hey, I get called on a property or you kind of probably already know, like when you go in there, what are you like? Yep. I'm pretty sure this is what's lacking. You already have it figured out. What do most guys lack in their hunting property? Great, great question. And you said that I get to walk all these pristine properties and I do walk a lot of properties, um, but most of them are not pristine yet. Um, a lot of them are very beautiful and a lot of them need a lot of work. I have walked some pretty cool properties that are pristine. Um, and a lot of that revolves a lot of sunlight to the forest floor. So the first thing that I always, I mean, I'm talking 98% of the parcels that I've been on um, need to have some timber stand improvement done. Simple as that. Number yeah. one issue. Um, you know, we used to have a lot of really good logging in the Upper Peninsula, 
you know, back at the turn of the century. And that's when the deer hunting was so awesome up there and the deer population was great up there. And as soon as that all ended, the hunting in the UP is really tough now. The predators are everywhere. Uh, people go up there for weeks and don't see deer. There's a direct correlation with timber stand improvement and animal habitat, wildlife habitat. Yeah, that's cool. That's a that's a great point because I someone was asking me. He's like, "Yeah, you or we were talking about old pictures or something." Or you see all these dudes that went up to camp in the UP and these giant bucks, like giants, giants. Giants. And I'm like, I've drove through the UP and I'm like, why is there giant bucks here? But yeah, 50, 60 years ago, or maybe no, that'd be longer. We're talking like 80 years ago, probably. Yeah. It was a completely different game if those were like cutting was going on, you know, in that area because it means exactly. fast. Yeah, and that's that's what I see. Yeah, and yeah, now it's yeah, it sucks now. Um, it's just, it's just it's just sad, you know. Um, unfortunately, a lot of I love the UP. We go up there every summer, we camp all over the place. Um I would love a camp up there. I just don't think the the deer are where they could be up there. And I think a lot of hunters would agree with that. Um but yeah, so I guess every I can think of like one or two parcels that I've been on where I'm like, yeah, you really don't have any big trees left to cut. You know, you're already you had a clear cut come through here ten years ago. It's real thick, um, but the majority are open canopy. So back to your story about when you when you were mobile hunting and you climbed up that tree and those four or five doe popped up. You know what would happen if none of that was logged and none of those tops were laying in there. You know, you would have got to the edge of the woods and those does, if they were even there, would have blown out to the other side. Yep, Gone. 100%. So you think about it that way, um, a lot of the forests we see, uh, and I see this in other states too, is just park-like. You think of Central Park, just park-like, mm. big, beautiful trees, can see a long way. It's gorgeous. I love sitting in there. I love sitting in there with a big seven mag and, and looking a long ways, but the deer do not see it the same way we do. So that's, that's always number one. And it's rang true many times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I've learned that over the years I used to sit, you know, field edge hunting was kind of like my family grew up doing because tons of doe was like, you'd see 20, 30 deer every night, kind of a thing. So what did you do? You wanted to hunt all the time. So you just sneak in on the field edge. You always saw them, you know, you never don't go in the woods. You'll kind of like, you'll blow them all out of there. So field edge hunt. So yeah, we saw a lot of does. A lot of does we got shot. A lot of small bucks. And now as time has gone on, trying to shoot the bigger deer, you know that kind of a thing. It's like I can't tell you how many times I've seen a bigger deer nowhere near the field edge because he's in that cover. And then yeah, then it's like the game. Like how the heck do you get to him? Like that was like one of my hardest learning curves. Was I know I need to be in there. I know like where they like to be, but I got to get in there without spooking all the does. And then I got to get, or I got to get in there and let all the does work by me before they smell me or see me or whatever. It was like the big learn. It took me five, right? 10 years to learn. Let's just say, you know, and, uh, I see, you know, all these, uh, you know, videos and, you know, hear a lot of guys have been doing this at a high level, talk about how they're like managing their property and doing that. It's like, dude, that is just, it makes so much sense to me. Like my way, my brain works. I'm like, this is like long-term plan going together like doing that and it's it's i I love it because it's so achievable like it's it's Mm -hmm. not like this you know we're not trying to have two thousand acres in iowa or illinois or anything like that to do this it's like you can do that because i think michigan like for like where i hunt like grand not in the up and this stuff there's enough deer 
that if you have the best thing in the area, you're going to be able to have like, what's the word they call it? Like recruitment maybe, or, you know, you're going to get the deer to stay there. And if you have trigger control, like you can neighbors around board, you can create like pockets that you can see the same deer year after year. That never happened 10 years. Like when trail cameras first came out, I never, I remember the first time I got a buck for the second year, I was blown away. I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like really he survived. Like I finally got a picture of the same deer, you know? And uh, that's just the nature of people involving and, you know, better neighbors and better habitat. And like all those things are going into it. And dude, I love it, man. It's so exciting. Well, your, your comment there, you know, not knowing how to get to that deer in the cover or, or how to get past the does or, or how to hunt them effectively. Um, that's exactly what we talk about every single week in mm -hmm. the podcast, you know, because you can take that open woods and you can create that into a mosaic of habitat and pinches and sand locations where you're not getting busted. Perfect access, everything else. Um, we have a lot of good hunters in the state, but nobody's ever really taught this stuff. Like my dad's saying, like, I we used to walk through every bedding area to get to the backfield. Like we did everything backwards. We had no <laughs> idea what we were doing. It's yep. like there was just nothing out there to tell us anything otherwise. We just thought we knew what we were doing. And um I think a lot of that just goes to you don't know what you don't know. So if you want to be that neighbor, that exception to the rule when everybody else around you is doing stuff maybe how they've always done it and you want to up your game, that's where the habitat management comes in. Yeah. That's where the more diverse food plot comes in versus just some rye. That's where you set yourself apart. And and I always say, I want to be the exception in the square mile. I want to have everything my neighbors do and more going on on my parcel. And guess what? The deer know exactly where that parcel is. Mm. And they remember. Yep. Like that's the thing. I think when if deer can migrate in the UP, that means they remember where to go. Like they have that built in and you hear about all the historical data for shooting a big buck. Like, Oh, if you had that deer on camera, November 7th, you better be there November 7th, November 5th, you know, three days around that, that yeah. 7th. Well, they remember. So like, you don't think they're gonna remember where they filled their bellies to get through the winter, like, you know, or where they were safe or, you know, they never got bumped or pressured. Like then they have the ability to know that stuff. Like, I don't think deer are like highly smart. Like they're so smart. You can never kill them. Like I'm not that ballpark or that, that game, but I do think that there's certain genetic ability they have or coding that they know where they're safe and you can really exploit that. And it's been proven time and again, how guys do exploit it. So I do want to kind of ask you a little bit about like, there's a, like I've had a guy on talking about shooting does and like, the DNR um, has been telling oh us we need to shoot more does and, you know, oh all this stuff. I actually applied for that DMI thing. Um, I have this to see just for the heck of it. Uh, the deer, what is a deer management initiative? I, uh, I applied for that just because my uncle was telling me about it. And I was like, shoot, I'll apply. See what happens. You, what, where do you kind of fall into this? I'll kind of let you know, I, where I hunt, there's a lot of does. Like, that's just like, you see them. There's too many does. Um, I guess too many might be a bit extreme, but does can be shot. And um, I think it's good to do that. I always, I never seem to shoot as many as I want to in a year. Um, but I, when I hunt out of state and I hunt in, you know, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, all these places that you see a lot more mature bucks, I see way less does. So 
from like just my first hand experience, like I'm all on board. Like, yeah, we should shoot more does and like do that. And I'm on, I'm on the mindset of like, I think Wayne Sutton, um, is, I think that's who it is. He's, you know, if you see a doe, he thinks over two and a half, doesn't matter time of year, shoot that thing because of, you know, the, the fawn recruitment or like when they drop fawns, there's a chance of being a buck is slimmer. He's got, it's all broken down. Like dude's done a great job. So that's kind of where I stand. But then, you know, you look at, you know, harvest across the state this year was way down and you, you always get the guys saying, man, we're, it's because they've given out so many doe tags. We've shot all the deer. So like, where do you kind of fall in this, like the state of Michigan, let's say the lower peninsula, or maybe if you want to break it down to Southern Michigan and like Northern Michigan, how do you kind of feel like the state ranks? Like, is there too many does? Are we not doing a good job of shooting them? Like, I guess if you kind of could weigh in on that, I won't hold you to it forever, but I would like to see what you think. Man, this is almost as controversial as like pineapple on pizza. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you just went through a lot right there. Um, and you've been paying attention. I can tell everything you just said, you've been paying attention. So good, good on you. And uh, I, the way I see it, I think we have too many does in Southern Michigan for sure. Um, it's, it's all certain pockets for sure. You can, you know, you can, I look at the habitat. So when I'm driving down the highway and you look at a field edge and every leaf below five foot on that tree line is gone. Usually a sign. Yep. Um, but I've been, I've hunted a lot of places in Michigan. Um, where our current property is, is probably, or 70 up north is probably the exception where there are not as many does. Uh, we're, pre- we're pretty far north. Um, but everywhere else I've hunted, there are an overabundance of does, and we cannot get our hunters to, to shoot them. 10 doe tags a person, whatever. Universal doe tag, thought that was a good move. No, you know, nobody's filling them. Um, <laughs> which scares me because i don't want does to be killed because i think michigan the, the dnr are like we got to kill does if you're not going to do it what how are they going to kill them like that's what kind of freaks me out are they going to do the sharp shooting thing are they going to do True. who Great knows points. what so like because i that means a lot to you me have to do something man because cwd when that first came around they were doing the sharpshooter thing and they were killing deer i was in kent county that's where i live and they came out to my father-in-law's property, knocked on the door, said, hey, we're going to put spin feeders out. We're going to night vision shoot deer. We're not going to shoot any big bucks. We're only going to shoot little ones. So he said yes. And, he, and like I was – Oh, no. He's not a big-time hunter. Like he grew up hunting. He doesn't know. Him, he was like, yeah, CWD, like if you want to test our deer, like I see tons of them in my hayfield. Shoot all the does you want kind of thing. Well, come to find out, they shot all the big bucks. Like because, you know, this is some. This is pretty rumor, you know, but – uh. I can I can back it up because like I had a really rough few years after this because there was just no big bucks. Maybe they died from EHD. Maybe they did get shot by the sharpshooters. But the the talk going around was they shot a couple bucks in the you know full velvet. Like when they looked giant, they were you know saying that yeah the deer was so big I shot that when I walked up to it, his rack was up over the hay. You know, because I mean, like, I've there's a big deer, like Southern Michigan. You know, you can sh- 120, 130 inch deer, pretty common, but they just wiped them out, like, shot them. And I was max, I was like, sure, shoot as many does as you want. Like, they kind of had this thing, oh, we're gonna shoot this many does and only this many bucks. And it's like, well, I can go out with a spotlight and say, like, hey, where'd all those bucks go that were out here every night? And uh, 
So like for me, I hear like I'm afraid that there's gonna be another way to kill them, and I just had a bad experience with that. So like, don't I don't want that. that. We don't want that. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And and I don't know um, how the DNR sharpshooters went out and and executed their job, but from what I've heard, it wasn't a we'll shoot some and not the others type conversation. It was all or nothing. Yeah. And they're not they're not gonna just gonna let a buck walk by to hope another one come. Like they're there to kill deer. Yeah. So they're gonna kill the deer. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want that to happen either. Um, my whole thing is we need to shoot more does, you know, I shoot, I try to shoot two, three, four a year. Um, could that be up? Sure. But if you do like the, the surveys, look at the numbers. Most, a lot of people don't shoot does. Most people don't shoot does. I'm almost positive. The majority of people do not shoot does, you know, and it goes back to my grandpa. We don't shoot does. They make all the deer. Why would you shoot a doe? And, uh, I love that man, but it's not accurate anymore um and maybe it wasn't back then but the point is i just don't want something to happen to where okay the dnr came out with this new initiative where you applied for and they're trying to get you know people like you and me to try to connect with more people and get more people on board um to shoot does you know chad stewart wrote an open letter to this to the deer hunters of michigan last fall begging us to shoot does and i was on michigan outdoors last week talking about shooting does um we just need something to actually change it's going to make people shoot does simple yeah. as that uh you know shoot two does before you get a buck tag or shoot a doe before you get a buck tag or maybe shoot a doe before you get a second buck tag i don't i'm not in favor for any or all i'm just suggesting things you know aprs i'm a big fan of aprs yeah you know um what happens if guys can't shoot the spike in the four point and they usually shoot a doe yeah, and that's proven by you statistics. Know? Like they prove yeah, that that's what been they do. proven already. Yeah, so like that, I love that. But then, like then, I also relate. Like you know, I shot, I shot. You know, my household. Let's say we shot seven deer. You know, between me and my family members, and like that's a big undertaking. Like you know what I mean? Like that's work. That, that that's spread out through multiple families. You know, so like not many guys are like, yeah, I'm gonna shoot ten does this year and have the time and the ability to like either do, you know, do whatever they got to do with that. So I get it. Um, you know, there is hundred, you know, you can donate them and do that kind of stuff, but like, that's still, you gotta have time. And so like me, it's like, okay, what do we got to do? Do we have to like get people to like convince people that, Hey, you have a ton of does in your property, bring friends and family who maybe aren't serious hunters out here, give them the experience, let them shoot does. Like, is that an answer? I don't know. Because like, it's like such a hard thing because you got all these guys that like are investing so much time and energy into their properties and they want to shoot a nice big buck. They don't need the meat to survive. So it's this big hobby. So like maybe they like to go out there and just see a bunch of does. Like it makes them feel good. Like, Oh man, yeah, I saw 25 does tonight. This is a good, a good set, you know? And it's like, how do you like take a step back and say, this is not good. Like this is not good as a whole for the state of Michigan. And, what's it gonna look like in 10 years i don't know if there's like a magic thing for it but i do know that when i go hunt iowa the mecca you know everyone's been saying how cool iowa is when i go sit there all day in december i see constant deer movement and i see as many bucks as i do does almost like it blows my mind and like that's a super healthy deer herd you have all the age structures you have all that why in the world is there as many bucks there as there are does doesn't make any sense we have five hundred thousand hunters in michigan we should be shooting does you know 
every year, and I don't know what the answer is. I just don't know. It blows my mind. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I know we do have a very high deer population in Michigan compared to some other states. Um, I'm with you, though. When I've hunted, you know, Iowa, um, Illinois, Ohio, especially Ohio, um, when we saw a deer, it's usually a buck. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 the doe is like, yeah, and then they have their, their areas broken up in different DMUs in the state, different managements management areas where we kind of do but we're still more so like we haven't even killed enough of them to get to that point yet yeah so i yeah aprs are a proven way um i guess my answer not being a biologist would be look at what other states have done that has worked you know um what we're doing is not achieving the goal of increasing the antlerless harvest yeah, I know that much. So I just hope that with this, you know, deer initiative thing, you know, that thing that you apply for where they're trying something different, trying to appeal to hunters, trying to appeal to the new generation, trying to appeal to non-hunters. I just hope it's not all for nothing, you know. Yeah. I the groups that have done some of the stuff in the past that have put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into trying to change and improve the deer regulations um have been crapped on multiple times yep. and nothing ever changes so i do know that up in the the apr zone on um, the northwest 13 is your property in that northwest 13 yep, yep my yeah, grandpa's so property is yeah okay and so is mine and um i know that i bought in that area on purpose yeah like that was the number one reason i bought up there so that to me you know that started out as being shunned the first two years by all the people that live there uh, no way we don't want that this is terrible well by like i forgot my buddy knows all the stats um i want to say year three have on. i want to say year, year three, three or four everybody yeah. like the, the tables have turned and more people were in favor of it than not yep and now it's been the resounding majority of people year after year don't take these aprs away yeah don't you talk about doing anything else we're good here don't mess with us yeah. So, you know, that's been proven in this state mm -hmm. and it increased Joe harvest. Yeah. It, it, in Kent County, it even did like, cause Kent County. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did they their, did that? Yeah. Yes. They did Across it for like the two, right? Yeah. What was the, there's like three of them right there. Yeah. Iowa, it was maybe. Kent County. Uh, no, was it Nuego maybe? And I think Nuego got shafted on it. I think it, it was. was yeah. Okay. Macosta. And like the stats were like, staggering like and they and you know that was before the check-in that was the, the mail and survey whoever whatever you want to think about that but their data they compiled it was like yep. the dough increased by like a whole dough or something crazy like it was nuts and then they're like oh yeah we're done with that and then shortly after you know you got the do the you know two years of checking your deer in i look at kent county i'm like dude we're it's like, back to where it was or, or worse or, like yeah worse like, oh my or worse it seems like it it's just like oh so what you're God. saying was when they enacted though that three county apr test area for the cwd area the stats went in the direction of what we're talking about yes. what we're favoring which is um a larger antlerless harvest correct yeah and the adult, yearling yep. And the yearling bucks and maybe the two-year-old bucks got passed if they didn't have four on one side or three on one yep. side, whatever the APR was. Um, so by year three, the stats were looking great. Yep. And now that when, since they've removed that, it's dropped back to Dude, so like it's it's, it's I mean, that's it's the answer. 
it's laughable yeah. how many yeah. bucks get shot compared to does in Kent County. It's just like, what happened? Like, I don't know why this, we were doing so good. And then it's like, oh, just kidding. Hold my beer. We'll go back. And now we got this <laughs> disaster. And it's just like, and maybe it's like, it just feels really bad because like, it's kind of like the thing that guy, people are talking about. It's like very in front. Like, like you said, we all saw the letter. If you got it, like you're, you got this data in front of you, you can look up on your app and see, and you're just like, maybe it's being brought more to attention. And you're just like, oh man, like what? I'm, and you're always, you know, anytime the government's involved, like maybe I'm a little like, eh, I don't trust, you know, I think because sure. they don't, we're kind of the minority, like being the hunters and doing that, like we're outnumbered a little bit. Like I'm not one guy to like go extreme in any regard, but I'm like, man, I don't, what are they going to do? Like, is that going to be good for me and my family in the future? I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's just a, it's kind of, a, I guess the first time in my life, you know, that I've really felt like something crazy could happen with hunting and like one of those things I just thought never could change, you know, cause when you're in the moment of it as a kid, you're like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm always going to be able to go out to the back 40 and shoot a deer. And now it's like, ah, what's going on? So, but I do, yeah, I, I do agree. I like I love APRs. Like I have, yeah, I have got photos on my computer that will prove the APRs work. And I've got neighbors that also are on board that never used to be until APRs, you know, the proofs and the pudding in that regard too. So, I would love to, if I had power, I'd be like, APRs, like that would be my push, you know, hard, but there's a lot more that goes into it, which a lot of guys found out, like you said, like a lot of time, effort, sacrifice, when they're trying to make hunting great, better for a lot of us. And uh, yeah, they got so far and then realized that it was a futile attempt and uh, yeah. Yeah, spinning their wheels, right? Yep, that, so. But uh, let's yeah. see here. Is there any? I'm trying to think. If there's anything else habitat wise? Um, I think like I don't. You don't need to die. Like if anyone wants to know more about habitat, your podcast is just full of like you just go through the archives. It's so cool, and you got guys that come on and you know tell stories from other parts of the, the Midwest. They come on, and some of those guys start talking, and you're like, what? Like I love it because they're so passionate about it. So it's very easy to like listen and learn. I mean, diverse things they do i mean i love that so if anyone wants more of that they can hop on your podcast and reach out to you kind of a thing but uh do you have what are you like excited about for this fall like you've got a lot going on like you we talked off air before this like you're a busy dude you do consulting you do this you do that you got food plot seed you got property that's getting you know harvested and cut and like what do you like really like right now i know it's almost february like what gets you pumped up for like October 1st? Yeah, man. Uh, making sure my my parcels are, are in order and ready to go. There's so much stuff to be done. And um, you know, one of my goals for this year, I said I was going to do it last year and I didn't really do it, but I was kind of, I sold my one property in between another one. I want to have more like bulletproof setups for in a, in a blind where I can still have a chance at a, you know, three-year-old deer, but be able to bring my kids. Like in the past, I've had it to where, all right, we'll set this pop-up tent on the edge of this field. Kids get to see deer. You know, I'm at least out here. We're happy, right? Mm-hmm. That's not cutting it for me anymore. And I was like, I want to, I want a brushed in dark hole in the timber style blind talked way back in somewhere where you know we have a chance of killing something nice um with the kids there because i take my kids quite a bit 
and uh, that probably has hindered my mature buck hunting the last two years. I was so, just going to ask you that. Yeah, like it's it's I think it's directly you know correlated. But so I'm not going to let that be an excuse this year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my butt and make sure I have that ready. I want to make sure my plots are looking great as always. Um, that's important to me. And uh, I want to make sure these loggers get the heck off my properties before hunt season gets here. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's another because they're already they already the one already got me to sign like an eight month extension and this and that. So it's like heart rate, can, heart rate elevating. I can, yeah, I yeah. can see the forest through the trees. I know what the goal needs to be. I can picture what it's going to be like when it's done. But man, hurry up! Yeah, hurry so, up. That's pretty cool. That's so, like, mine. are your kids? Are they're not quite? a hunting age yet or where they like at you're like taking them when you're bow hunting kind of a thing and they're yeah. just sitting along for the ride yeah let's see so they're nine my girls are nine they're twins um and my son is five uh the girls have been hunting with me for four years now my son my son i started really young um he's been hunting with me three years they've all been with me when i've shot deer multiple times nice Love um, it. my girls they're you know twins they don't they come out a little smaller sometimes when they're born because they share yeah. everything, you know, inside. So they're a little smaller frame, so they can't really pull back a full bow yet. Um, I have two bows I bought them for Christmas this year. Um, got a 350 last year. So I'm hoping this year we'll get them out killing themselves. Yeah, because I mean, but I'm not, I'm not going to push them. I'm just going to say, hey, you want to you shoot one? Yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. And I'll say if you get those spots dialed, like I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it's probably going to take, I mean, it'd be awesome if one year you get it figured out, but it might be kind of like pivoting. And by the 100%. time they're ready to go, you're going to be very effective because, uh, like Henry, you know, he's seven. He's been tagging along with me since he was yeah awesome. two, three years old. And I started bow hunting a lot more out of a gun blind. Like I learned, like we were like, I want to go hunting. I am taking it with me. So like we did it. So then I built a blind, oh, four years ago now, three years ago. And, um, hunted out of a lot shot you know had opportunities at does and like bucks occasionally but just not quite big enough with him there this year i went by myself sat in that blind shot my second buck out of it like at 14 that's yards. a nice so, like, too by the way yeah it was awesome like i was so pumped and it was like i wouldn't have i don't even know if the opportunity would ever happen if i hadn't have done that for that reason and it kind of cool. adds another element to your like arsenal like okay it's crappy weather or Maybe it's not like really the greatest win, but you can shut the windows and play the game a little mm -hmm. bit. And like you, you when you, you want to be out in the woods when time's right and when you got to bring a kid with you or something, the crown blind is or like a small elevated blind is definitely a, a tool that is, is good. I mean, he went in a tree stand with me last year, uh, did not like it, was not too impressed that I made him do it, but he did good. <laughs> like it was just a quick little hunt after work one night and, uh, He's like, Dad, I think I like I like the I like sitting in the blinds a lot better than the tree stand, you know. So but I do want to kind of add a couple of those too. Like that's it's uh it's a well there's another reason I liked it. Um for him as a kid, he isn't like when we were 12 years old, you know, 10 years old, like when I gun hunted, like you're older, so like your face, you're like you can be tough, kind of a thing. Like you're 14, mm -hmm. go tough it out. Like these kids are young and you want to do this with them. Like, you know how many times my dad did take me because he's like, dude, it's like 30 degrees with like 25 mile winds. You're going to freeze to death. Like you can't go the blind game. You can take your kids out there and then you can ease them into it. It's not like, oh, hey, sit here for six hours on the stump and, you know, have fun. So like, I love that aspect of it. But it does challenge me as a parent because it's really easy to be like, he doesn't really get to use a tablet that much or like a phone. Same. 
same like he does so when we go hunting that's kind of like he liked it because he's like oh i can you know use the tablet dad so then like this year i told him i was like hey this is the last time you get to like really because we'd sit all day during gun season and he you know you got the battery pack for his tablet watching videos and coloring and playing hill climb racing or something and i'm like you know next year you've shot a deer now so like next year you are gonna have to do that a lot less so you still be able to do it during the day but and he's like, you know what, Dad? I think I like that. He's like, I like, I like seeing the deer before you do. And I was like, yeah, he's like, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah. Plus, there's something to the aspect of, you know, my dad didn't bring me a lot when when I was younger because it was kind of where the guys all went, and yeah, I didn't have blinds. It was all state land, and finally got to go when I was 14. Um, how many years of like wanting it better than anything that I have to sit at home and just wish i was there you know yeah probably the reason i'm halfway you know psychotic about it now but like so now that i'm bringing my kid all the time is he gonna be like yeah it's just deer hunting you know yeah. whatever so there's kind of that to it too um i don't usually give him the tablet till it's like the last half hour then i'm like all right now you can be quiet watch this mm -hmm. if you have to if you can't yeah. stay it any longer but yeah, all day, that's a whole different thing. All day would yeah. be a different thing, but that's a great, that's just kind of one of my things. I never being so mad at my dad. I had a fever and I stayed home and he went up North without me and he shot a buck and it was actually probably one of the nicest buck he'd, he'd shot up to that point. He had it on a car. He had like a little car and yep. uh, it was strapped to the car when he got home and he came in, he's like, I shot a buck. You want to come look at it? And I told him right to his face, nope. And I stayed inside and let him hang it up. You know, I was a little jerk because I was so mad he didn't take me, you know, as yeah. a kid. And that's probably why I'm, like you said, psychotic about this to a point, psycho. But uh, yeah, there is that point when it's hard because, you know, the kids these days have so much. And yeah, I, I try to like, there's a, there's a fine line between like making them go and then yeah. wanting them to want to go. So like, I've always been like, you know, like Henry loves to go rabbit hunting when we can look for sheds. So like this weekend I made him go because the weather sucked the last couple of times. It was nice. So I didn't really make him go. I was like, hey, dude, you should go now. The snow's not over your up to your waist. Like, let's go have a good time. And he's getting all ready. And then he's like, okay, so like, are the deer starting to shed yet, Dad? And I was like, no. He like looked at me like so dejected because he loves to look for <laughs> sheds while we're shooting rabbits. And he was like mad at me almost. And I was like, man, maybe I kind of dropped the ball a little bit as a dad. Like I should have kind of prepared him, you know, a little better, waking up early, doing this. But, you know, it ended up being a good day. Like, he, he toughed it out, you know. You had little, you know, attitude adjustments here and there. Like, hey, you gotta, yeah, sure. You know, your legs are tired because it's the first time you've been out here this year. We got to, like, get your legs in shape. Like, all these little things as a dad you got to do. But, uh, yeah, it's it's different when they're younger. Like, it's not like you got a teenager out there where you can be like, hey, keep up or, like, go to the truck, man. You know, it's like yeah. a whole other element. But uh, yeah, you 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 want to you want to pass it on, and it's something that's really the front of my brain, like a lot. Like I want him to be yeah. able to pass his kid on to his kids and do all that. But no, I think uh, I think that kind of about it for the conversation. I mean, we've uh, we've covered a lot of the good things. I I love what I've had my experience with your product. I look forward to the new things you guys that are coming out later this year. I think it's awesome that you're not charging any more money, but you're getting more on your food plot seed bag, right? You guys have yep. something that goes like, like, how often does a company do that? Hey, it's the same price, but you get more. Like, that's usually not how that works. So I do like that. I love the habitat stuff that you talk about. I love how real it is. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a, a wonderful summer. I'm sure you'll be busy. And uh, if there's anything else, I mean, feel free to, you know, drop your podcast or whatever you want to do. Guys can get uh, reach out to you and, yeah, support your show. Appreciate it, Nate. Thanks, man. It was a great chatting with you. Appreciate you having me on here. And uh, 
I think we have a lot in common. So, you know, hearing stories about your boy and everything else, um, also keep in touch for sure. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can find us over at Habitat Podcast. If you just search anywhere, Habitat Podcast, Google, Spotify, iTunes, uh, we'll come up in all the, all the right places. And, um, yeah, if you're looking to improve your property, that's where you should go. If you're looking to check out the food plot seed, that is vitalizeseed.com. So Google, uh, Google, Google, eyes, Google vitalize seed and you'll find it pop up there as well. Um, you can also get it from Habitat Podcast. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. It was real fun chatting with you. Yes. Thank you, Jared. Uh, like I said, good luck. Hopefully all good things. Hopefully the daylight's going to start getting longer for you so you can burn that candle a little less. You know, yeah. <laughs> it'll be good for you. But yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Thanks for all the support for Michigan Wild, and uh, catch you guys next week.